This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together. We will uh, have a good time. We'll have a good time and I'll wait, always, always have a good time. We had a couple great guests again today. And by the way, one of you texted me about Pedro Gonzalez, the interview uh, that we did with him yesterday. It was extraordinary. He's really, really impressive. Um, and you can find that interview over at ProAmericaReport.com or on my social media account at Eagle Ed Martin on Twitter, at Ed Martin on Parlor Gab and other platforms. So please check that out. He is wonderful. You should promote him. He's Here's the thing about conservatives. Many are conservative politically. That's true. But f- fewer than you'd expect understand the culture, the culture in this country. Pedro Gonzalez writes about it really well. Chronicles Magazine is an extraordinary magazine. So uh, good for him. And thank you for uh, to our, one of our listeners for uh, being pleased and excited about that interview. All right. Um, let me, uh, I, I tell you, I'm, I'm fired up again today. I'm, I'm really worried and I don't want to get you too worried, but I want you to get real with me. Okay. It is important to be real. And by the way, in a few minutes, we'll talk with Ken Blackwell. Uh, he was the mayor of Cincinnati. He was the mayor of Cincinnati. Then he was secretary of state in Ohio. So this guy knows, um, he knows what we would say <laughs> elections. He knows uh, campaigns. He knows how systems work. Uh, and he's happens to be African-American. I'm not sure that matters, but it does help uh, sometimes insulate when they call you a racist because he's a black guy. Uh, and we'll talk with him about the elections and also about the public interest legal foundation where he is heading up a lot of their work and a very, very good guy. Very, very good guy. Important guy. And then Dr. Decker. We haven't talked to Dr. Brett Decker in a long time. And so we got to get to that and talk with him, see what he says, especially about China. So, uh, but let me uh, begin tonight uh, this conversation by talking about what I think is a very, very damning, very problematic development. And that is this. Uh, in Michigan, over the last couple of uh, a couple of uh, weeks, maybe a couple of months, I guess, there have been a number of uh, press reports on the election question. So there was a lawsuit up in Antrim County. I'm not sure the lawsuit was in the county there, or if it was uh, broader, if it was in a uh, jurisdiction that's broader. But it was about Antrim County's elections, and um, the, at the local level, they lost. Uh, I mean, the people challenging the case, challenging the election, saying, hey, there's problems. They lost the case. And so there's a, um, there's still time, I think, for an appeal. We'll see if it happens. But the question, uh, you know, is, was also taken up by the Senate, Michigan Senate, as well as the Michigan House. And so in the last, I don't know, 24 hours, the, the Michigan Senate has released its report on its investigation in the election. And they declared that there was nothing major wrong with the election. Now, they didn't do a complete uh, audit. They didn't do a complete investigation. But you know, you have to. You have to kind of. Um, they did something. I, I myself, I had heard they weren't really digging into it. They didn't really want to find what they needed. You know what they wanted. But so, but whatever. We, you know, you cannot argue that there was actually something done, and it's their right to do it. So they said there wasn't any widespread fraud. Again, I haven't looked at it close enough to know if they came up short. I feel like they did. But, you know, at least the report is out there. Here's what they did next that is absolutely stunning and shows either complicit, complicity, is that the word, complicitness, that they are complicit, that's the best way I can say it, that they're complicit with the bad guys in this country, or they're just stupid. Either stupid 
or a you know either either you are a a a, a someone who is a dupe, a, what they call a willing dupe, someone who goes along because they're stupid, or you are a participant against we the people. Because here's what they did. The Michigan Senate report said, oh, by the way, we didn't find much fraud. We didn't find widespread fraud. They didn't say they didn't find any. And and by the way, we want the Attorney General of Michigan, an elected official, a Democrat, to investigate the groups who solicited support for the challenges to the election. What? 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 I mean, look, there is always someone whose role in a state is to look at, uh, you know, what's happening in better business and business practices. There's always somebody. But the idea that the Senate, the Republican Senate, would issue a report that said, hey, go ahead now, Attorney General, and investigate the groups that raise money. We're worried that they did it under false pretenses. Are you serious? Again, I'd have no reason to believe that's true. But the the Republicans in the Michigan Senate just gave ammunition to the attorney general of the state of Michigan, a Democrat, and as clear as can be, the Department of Justice, which has shown they'll politicize anything, to now go after who? People raising money to show their their First Amendment right of their, their point of view? I mean, are you kidding me? We got people held in Washington, D.C. Earlier on, on, early on Thursday, Nancy Pelosi announced that she doesn't care that there was not a bipartisan uh, desire to have a special commission in the House. I predicted this. I predicted what she would do next. Earlier on Thursday, she said, I, by the way, I predicted this two months ago. I said, there's no way there's going to be a bipartisan commission, but she doesn't care because she'll do a select committee And that's what she announced early on Thursday. And the select committee will now be made up of Democrats and probably an idiot Republican, a, again, a willing dupe, a willing dupe, someone who's just too stupid and goes along because they're too stupid, or a participant in targeting the Americans. One of the two, probably Liz Cheney will be put on it, or Adam Kinzinger will be put on it. And here's the thing. Here's what they're going to do. They're going to use the select committee to go after people. They're already doing it now. We, two days ago, we had that prosecutor, former prosecutor from the District of Columbia, who said, yeah, the, the prisons are going to be terrible. They're going to be hard for people that have never been in prison. Like most of these people have never been in prison because they really never did anything and they still haven't done anything. And there's 500 of them, I think, being charged and hun- dozens and dozens in prison. They're not getting a speedy trial. There was a law passed for that in the 70s. And the prosecutor, the former prosecutor said, yeah, but that they deserve it because look what they did. What's that? I thought instant until proven guilty was something in America. And now we have the Republicans in the state Senate in Michigan who are either being willing dupes or traitors. I'm saying that. They're either willing dupes who are going along with the bad guys or they're traitors. There's a whole book. It's on my bookshelf called Dupes by Paul Kenger. You got to find that and look at that. And so we, we are in a world of trouble right now because it will be weaponized by the Department of Justice, the Michigan State Republican Senate, the Michigan Republican State Center's report. Let me say it clear. The Michigan State Senate report done by Republicans will be used by the Department of Justice to absolutely positively target 
We the people, just like they're doing in Washington. They are using the January 6th hoax as a tool. Again, we don't need gulags. Yesterday on the program, I told you, the word gulag, I did some more research overnight. The word gulag is a Russian term for a department of the Russian government that was called the gulag, and it became a term for where they sent you to have re-education. Well, as Julie Kelly said in a piece early on Thursday at American Greatness, we've already seen that. They're They're reprogramming Americans who are being held related to January 1st hoax in order to try to get them to either turn on their neighbor, turn on their friend, turn on America, or reprogram them. This is scary stuff. This is serious This is serious business. We, 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 this is not like, oh, well, we're having a disagreement. No, we're not having a disagreement now. We're having Americans targeted for their political viewpoint. They're being targeted for disagreeing with the mainstream media's, the big tech and big media, they're being targeted by big government. This is the narrative machine, but it doesn't end up with just a narrative. It ends up with targeting Americans. And the fruit of this is only one of two things. You only have one or two of two choices. When the government, when it's clear that big government will target we the people based on what big tech and big media are doing, when we are put in this position, doesn't matter the truth. Don't tell me you know the truth. I'm not talking about the truth right now. I'm talking about being targeted. There's only one of two choices. Only one of two results for you and for me. You either self-censor, Stop saying that. Stop giving money to groups that are actually worried about the election integrity. No, stop doing that. That's the first choice. Or the second one, you'll pay. You'll pay by being targeted. It won't just be canceled. You might be canceled. You might be canceled. That's the one way they can get you edgy and nervous. But it looks like, well, it doesn't look like, and for lots of people, you're not just going to be canceled. Your life's not just going to be miserable because you're targeted by, you know, people that have bought into the narrative machine. No. The second path is to actually target you and put you in trouble with the law. And that's happening they're forcing people to plead guilt, plead guilty. They're for on misdemeanor stuff. They're forcing people. They're putting it rotting in jail to put pressure on them. And again, we're at this point, and you say, "Well, you know, those people that went to the rallies in Washington, they, you know, they 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 trespassed or whatever. They're probably going to be something. Yes, yeah, something. Okay, something. If you trespass, okay. If you break a window, got it." That's not, so what happened. That's not what's happening here. In Michigan, if you had a good faith expression that you thought, hey, the election didn't seem right to me, I'd like somebody to get to the bottom of it. You're going to be investigated because you gave money to a guy who said, I might have a case to try to get to the bottom of this? Are you serious? Do you see how dangerous this is? We are down a path that turns, well, that has turned dark. It has turned very dark. It's worth checking your uh, sensibility on this and getting ready and get it being willing to fight back because America is on the brink. We may be past the brink, but it, I'm, I'm hopeful that we're on the brink. And you have to see, it's not just your kids that they're targeting in the schools. You can see that. Critical race theory, I predicted this a week ago. The critical race theory people are saying, we're not teaching critical race theory. There's no critical race theory textbook. We don't have a, we don't have a plan like Common Core was a plan. No, no, no. Critical race theory, we're not teaching that. And you say, well, aren't you teaching 
XYZ PDQ, which are the components of critical race theory. Well, we're teaching those. Yeah, but not critical race theory. This is the same jive when they said we stopped teaching common core. We're no, we're not teaching common core, but you're teaching all the same norms, all the same expectations, all the same driven by other people agenda. Yeah. Oh, well, maybe we're not that dumb. Well, maybe we are, but I mean, we shouldn't be that dumb, but this is different now. They're targeting we the people. The, 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 and big tech and, and big media, they're doing their job. And here comes big government. It's, it, it should scare you. We're on the brink. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll talk with, uh, in a moment with Ken Blackwell. He knows a lot about all of these subjects. We'll visit with him. And also, uh, then we'll talk later on with Dr. Brett Decker. It's Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. Don't forget, please visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and sign up there for the daily email every Monday through Friday, as well as get those great interviews you're hear- hearing and seeing Pedro Gonzalez from yesterday. Be right back. Ed Martin, Pro-America Report. <laughs> Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. As I mentioned in uh, the opening segment, Ken Blackwell, he was the mayor of Cincinnati. He was also the secretary of state in Ohio. So he's, he comes at the follow our, our conversation sort of uh, with plenty of real life experience. He's not a, he's not a guy who's just been thinking about it. He's been doing it in terms of election integrity, in terms of how politics works. And so he's a very good resource. It's great to welcome him back. He's also uh, on the board of the Public Interest Legal Foundation. We've had a couple of the folks on Christian Adams on talking about the work they're doing is very important. So uh, welcome, Ken. How are you? Welcome back to the program, sir. It's always good to be with you. So let me ask you, first of all, as an observer, you know, I ran years ago, I ran the election board in St. Louis, St. Louis City. So I have a little bit of a sense like you do. When you woke up on, uh, well, let's say no, let's not say November 4th. Let's say about Christmas time when you look back and you were saying there just were some things that didn't add up. Uh, there's no doubt about that, right? And, and, and the question now is, what's the smartest thing to do about it? You know, that it didn't add up and that there's all these kind of movements to, the, the Democrats want to dramatically change everything and the, a lot of state, the Republican leaders are, are doing their own thing. What's your, how did you, how do you look at it globally? First, Ed, let me just say that there were a number of things that made me say, huh? Like every president who gained votes in a re-election campaign has also won re-election for the last 150 years. Trump gained 11 million votes more uh, than he had gained in 2016, uh, but somehow Biden pulled off uh, a a miracle. Uh, Biden shattered the popular, popular vote record but won a record low of 17% mm-hmm. of the counties. And so hmm. things just didn't line up properly for me. Right. And, and so uh, as a good election administrator, you know, I started to look at a couple of things. One, uh, how tight in some of these battleground states and counties was the chain of custody of the ballots. Uh, what mm-hmm. sort of verification systems and policies were in place to make sure people were who they actually claimed to be. And let me tell you what I, what I found out. You know, one, uh, you got to go back and look at the, uh, the atmospherics, the environment of, of, of 2020, and you have to keep in mind something that one of the old-time political operatives on, on the Democrat side ha- has said, and that is, never let a crisis go to waste. So if you, go back and look <laughs> yeah. at, uh, if you look at American history, 
1918, we had the Spanish flu pandemic. In 1920, we had major, 29. 1929, we had major economic disruption. In 1968, we had urban violence across the country. In 1974, we had an impeachment crisis. Well, in 2020, we had all of the above. And so, <laughs> it was a target-rich opportunity uh, for not letting a crisis go to waste. And what happened was chain of custody of ballots loosened up. Uh, verification systems pushed to the side. And so you had state after state where voters were losing confidence in the final tally begin to put in place common sense policies that would give us greater election integrity. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so it's pretty simple. Uh, and, and, but the other thing that we know is that the left is running a pretty aggressive strategy. They want to federalize our elections. They want to give D.C. Right. statehood so they can pick up a couple more seats. They want mass mm-hmm. amnesty so you not only have, you know, a nation without borders, you will have voters without borders. And then they want to pack the courts. So right. it, it, it all fits out of that playbook. And so those of us who understand that it is not just about voting rights, but it's about the duties of citizenship to make sure we take common sense practices to protect legal ballots from being negated by illegal ballots, thereby raising voter confidence in the results. We're talking with Ken Blackwell. Uh, Ken Blackwell, who's uh, played a number of different roles uh, in the in the country, uh, elected officials, mayor of Cincinnati, and then uh, Secretary of State of Ohio, but also uh, been a leader and now is on the board of the Public Interest Legal Foundation, which uh, if you go to uh, publicinterestlegal.org, you'll see it's a 501c3 dedicated to election integrity more than ever seems wise. Ken, uh, when you watch it across the country, I'm kind of hard on people. You know, I'm a talk show host. You got to do it, I mean, I guess. But I'm hard on our state, leg- our state legislature. You know, uh, all the Republicans said, oh, my gosh, this was terrible. There's something wrong. What are we going to do? And then only a couple of states really got after it, you know. And, and um, you know, sometimes it, those of us that have seen up close uh, lawmaking, especially at the state level, some things don't happen the first time you want them, even if it's earnest, even if it's, uh, you know, so it, it, I, how, opt- how optimistic are you? How encouraged are you that we're going to see the kinds of checks on the problems of the elections, the kind of checks and balances passed in our state legislatures, you know, for to protect 2022? Are you confident on that? Are you feeling like the momentum's going the right way? Give me encourage me a little bit, please. (laughs) I am very (laughs) encouraged because I think more and more people, both elected officials and everyday citizens, are beginning to realize that there is a direct threat to our constitutional republic. Uh, this, this year, we're 245 years old, and what we know, as Lincoln said, is that we are not a perfect union, but we are a perfectible union. And if, in fact, mm-hmm. you start to see the improvements that have been made over those 200 and 
and and and uh, 45 years, not only in uh, advancing and making sure that barriers are, are are knocked down to full participation and citizenship uh, for, for all of our citizens, but to build integrity in our election system, you you, you actually you know can can come to grips with the fact that we must be engaged, uh, and I think state legislatures are taking common sense approaches. In Georgia, you know, where they put in reforms that were pretty common sense, uh, they got attacked, they got branded as as racist. But when you compare, let me just use an example, they moved the All-Star game with Major League Baseball from right. Atlanta, Georgia, to Denver, Colorado. You look at the reforms in Georgia compared to the established pro- uh, policies and practices in Colorado, there's not a damn bit of difference between the two. You know, and mm-hmm. so we, we, we kept pushing, you know, right past this whole charge of racism. And what we have now found out is that not only are most citizens, but most black citizens, they are hungry for voter ID because they know that's the way that you build confidence in the results. Yeah, let me just ask you and your listeners. I I, I sat on the board of Fifth Third Bank, and Fifth Third Bank holding company. It's a major bank in the Midwest. Do you think that we had to have our banks robbed before we started to take common sense, you know, uh, steps to protect mm-hmm. right. dollars that are in the bank. No. Well, we, we, we did. We don't. And we didn't, right. you know, when I was on the board. That's the same thing that's happening now. People are take, making common sense, taking common sense steps to, to make sure that we have confidence in the results of our elections. You know, I just heard from one of our listeners uh, who emailed me and he had this assertion. I'll assert it to you to see if, <laughs> how you respond. But um, one of the reasons they said that uh, Stacey Abrams has come out in favor of uh, whatever the halfway proposal of Joe Manchin, some kind of some kind of fake uh, f- uh, voter ID protection. And, and someone said it's because they're desperate to get some of this through because they're actually worried about the states, that the states are rising up. And, and at least in the states that have um, Republicans in charge, they're, they're doing the protection again are, are we it's easier you know this ken you were in the era as ohio secretary of state where you had the left had the secretary of state project that was funded by george soros that was out right. running candidates for second for a highest election official in the state because they knew that was important to them um do, do, does our side understand you might care about taxes you might even care about abortion but if you don't fix the elections they're going to roll these elections over us over and over again are, are you again confident people are catching on and that the, the conservatives slash Republicans know what they've got to do? Well, I, I, I hope so, because what I've been doing is crisscrossing the country, talking to citizen groups, and I've basically, and, and Republicans. I've said Republicans have to stop acting as if they are a 90-pound weakening, weakening minority party. You know, we control more governorships, more state legislative chambers, more county commission seats, We are a majority party across this nation. We can't act as if we're some 90-pound weakling. And and, and people respond to clarity. They respond to authenticity. uh, And they understand uh, that we, we have a choice. 
we can get locked mm-hmm. into the New York Times 1619 project model, which says that America is irreparably racist and it must be leveled. Or we can understand that in 1776, we put in place, uh, the, the founders put in place, a system that has produced the most robust, the most prosperous constitutional republic and form of government in all of human history. And people are not knocking our doors down to get out. They are knocking our doors down to get in legally and illegally. Right, right, exactly. Well, uh, Ken Blackwell, I, I'm very glad, especially on this one, the Public Interest Legal Foundation, publicinterestlegal.org, that you're out there. I mean, I'm always glad when you're out there. I could spend another whole conversation. I, I never brought it up because I'm not sure why it matters. Ken Blackwell happens, if you haven't seen a picture, happens to be an African-American. We could have talked about critical race theory, all these things. I, I, your expertise is elections. Um, so I'm glad we're not, I'm not glad, I'm glad I don't care what, what to have you as a black man. I care because you're an expert on this stuff. So, but thanks for being out there on so many uh, good issues and, uh, and we'll, um, I bet we'll uh, talk to you again about the election integrity. So thanks very much, Ken Blackwell. God bless you, Ed. All right. Thanks, everybody. Ken Blackwell, we'll take a break and be right back. Zed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's been too long. We have to catch in with Dr. Brett Decker. Dr. Decker is a New York Times bestselling author. He is a frequent contributor to the USA Today's editorial page, serving on the advisory board of the USA Today editorial page. He is also a professor now at Defiance College in Ohio and uh, has been a journalist all over the world for the Wall Street Journal and the Washington Times and on and on and on. He's a, he sounds like with all his credentials, he ought to be 140 years old and he's only in his mid-70s. So welcome, Dr. Decker. How are you? Uh, good. You know, I was on a, a panel last week at a conference at Notre Dame, and someone came up to me afterwards and said, "You're kind of edgy, but you're a lot you're a lot nicer in person than I would think from reading your articles." And I'm like, uh, "Wow, I don't know, if that's, a, I don't know yeah. if that's a compliment or not." Well, Notre Dame probably maybe there maybe that maybe it was a liberal. I maybe it was a liberal there at Notre Dame. I don't know. Um, Doctor Decker, we were talking off the air, and I, and I'm mentioning one of your former colleagues, and and but I, I, you mentioned we then mentioned China. Um, Watching the Biden administration, again, I know I, I touched on this a few weeks ago with you. You wrote a book called Bowing to Beijing about how the Obama administration sort of bent over backwards. The Biden administration, are they, they're in the same line? I mean, are you more worried about the China situation than you ever have been? Is there reason to think that some of the Trump edginess, uh, toughness will sort of carry over and we're not at a loss? What's your feeling on the Chinese regime right now? Um, you know, I'm not confident any of the, the Trump, the Trump toughness towards China is going to carry on. Um, you know, one is, uh, you know, we have to remember that Hunter Biden got seven figures or eight figures or nine figures. I don't know how much money from the Chinese and 10% right. was for the big guy who is now president. So, you know, <laughs> right. money buy, money buys love when it comes to this kind of thing. So, uh, you know, China, China uses a honey trap all the time. And I think that you can look at it that way. So, uh, the other thing is, you know, Biden, right. With, with, since he's mentally out to lunch, it means that the apparatus of state, uh, the regular establishment, foreign policy establishment, people are, are running the show and they're soft on China, right? They're the ones that push free trade. That is like, we're paying for the Chinese military and intelligence buildup, right. By buying the cheap junk at Walmart, all these people came up with, 
with this system and they're in control. So, uh, you know, and China is getting more and more aggressive against Taiwan, against their neighbors in the South China Sea, um, building a deep water fleet to challenge uh, the U.S. 7th Fleet in the Pacific, uh, building up a nuclear arsenal. So, um, you know, the, all the estimates are that uh, within 10 or 15 years, they'll have a larger and more technically technologically advanced military than the United States. So uh, I think everything is troubling on, on the China front. Um, we're talking again with Dr. Brett M. Decker. Um, and uh, what happens, and I know I've done this to you before, but what happens if they, they and, and I guess you'll tell me they won't do it, but if they moved on Taiwan, what would happen? Would we go to war over Taiwan? I mean, I guess maybe the more likely thing is they do the old uh, Hong Kong deal where they slowly but surely dominate them with uh, money and influence. But, um, you know, a lot of American lawmakers and a lot of policymakers, including Joe Biden, have said, you know, we'll always protect Taiwan, just like we were happy to protect uh, Hong Kong. I mean, what, what um, what's your feeling on that threat or, or other threats that China could do to sort of while they have the weak guy in there and they have the economy on the wrong way, the Wuhan virus is now going for a new variant, which will, I guess, uh, you know, make everybody nuts. I mean, what what's um, what could be the coming threat? It, you know, the, the main reason Beijing won't make a run on Taiwan right now is Taiwan is so well military defended, militarily defended that you'd have to level it. You just have to pummel it to take it, and then and then you don't have much, right? You have Okinawa after World War II or something, just a flattened moonscape. Um, the Taiwanese are more wary of. of of mainland China now just because they've seen all the developments in Hong Kong. So 15 years ago, I was worried that the Taiwanese were getting soft, uh, but now they've kind of, they've, they've kind of, uh, woken up a little bit. So, um, I, I, my worry is, and I talk about this in bowing to Beijing is the main threat from China is going to be, and this is why we have to keep our eye on another reason to keep our eye on the economy is, is kind of like a, a, a Japan, um, redux in that what you will have is if you have a global, a real, real global downturn, a super deep recession or a depression, that China will run into the same economic problems that Japan had before World War II. So if you, if you rewind back then, Japan was a lot like China now. They were going from an agrarian economy to an industrial economy. Uh, they're growing a lot, gobbling up a lot of global resources through trade. Uh, to, to sustain their growth. And their people are getting used to a larger, a, a better standard of living, right? You go from the rice paddy to being a factory worker in, in a city and you're living a lot better. Um, what happened with Japan is the Great Depression hit. We cut off their, you know, FDR cut off their oil and their people started to get radicalized because there have been their standard of living had gotten and had been improving and then it stopped. Well, if the same hmm. thing happens to China, it's Japan, uh, but a thousand times larger, right? So what, what I worry about is, and what did Japan do? They invaded Southeast Asia. Why? To get the resources. You had rubber in Malaysia, all kinds of minerals in Philippines, um, oil in Indonesia, right? So my worry is mm-hmm. the exact same thing will happen again. You have a global recession or a depression. China's growth stops because they're dependent on trade with the world, which comes to a halt in a, in a severe economic downturn. And then China does the exact same thing Japan does. They look around, look across the South China Sea and say, 
hey, we have all the resources for the taking in our neighbors. And then they go and get right. them. And they've built, they've built this Navy now that can do that. That's, that's, that's why I think the big threat is. And well, and so, and we just got a, a minute, a little bit more than a minute left. Um, but that uh, you just pointed out something—that's if our economy tanks, right? If inflation goes up, and I, what, what, are you, how are you feeling on the economy right now? You know, the economy has me super nervous. I think, you know, I think the thing is when to sell, not if to sell. And and uh, <laughs> you know, I think the the overheated housing market and none of the other fundamentals are good, other than the, the stock market, and that's partially because. Nobody has anywhere else to put their money, right? You, where else do you do right. with your money other than go gambling on Wall Street? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. And inflation is around the corner too, right? Uh, it's here now. coming, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's on the way. And, it, and, it, and I think the danger is um, a lot of the big banks think they're stockpiling cash because they think it's going to be inflation for the long term. And I think that's, that's really dangerous. Hmm. All right, Dr. Brett M. Decker, as always, uh, illuminative, as we say, on the world and the economy. Uh, we appreciate it. Thank you very much, sir. Yeah, you know, everybody at Notre Dame, fight on. <laughs> there you go. All right. <laughs> oh, there you go. All right. Uh, okay, I got you. Uh, all right, we'll take a break, everybody. Ed Martin, be right back here on the Pro-America Report. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report. A daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a national volunteer organization founded by Phyllis Schlafly and continuing to uphold her legacy by opposing radical feminism and representing a traditional conservative perspective in our nation's capital. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Regardless of where you stand on the verdict in the Derek Chauvin murder trial, I hope you will agree with me that the accused in every case is entitled to due process under the law. The likelihood of a fair trial for Chauvin vanished when the trial judge denied a motion routine in this type of case, that is to transfer the trial location to a place free of prejudicial publicity and intimidating protests. The judge also refused to sequester the jury during the trial, and an alternate juror said she had trouble getting back to her house from court because protesters were blocking the interstate. Jurors also had to worry about being doxxed which is a practice where a person's private information, such as their name, residence, or employer, might be revealed on the Internet for possible retaliation. In one sad case of doxing, a hacker caused the firing of a Virginia police officer who anonymously gave merely $25 to the defense fund of Kyle Rittenhouse. Rittenhouse is the teenager facing murder charges for his self-defense against a leftist mob. How can a jury remain impartial when it's constantly threatened by a mob of angry leftists who are seemingly impervious to facts and reason? We would all like to think that we could remain committed to the proper dispensation of justice if we're called to be in their place. But who among us wouldn't have second thoughts when the lives of our spouses and children potentially hang in the balance? And this doesn't even account for those on the Chauvin jury who are under a very different kind of influence. The Internet exploded when the news surfaced that one member of the jury had attended an event at which Floyd's relatives spoke in 2020. To make matters worse, a photo of the juryman at the event showed him wearing a shirt promoting Black Lives Matter and a dubious narrative condemning Chauvin. All of this potentially disqualifying information was kept secret from the court during the jury selection. We deserve to have faith in our right to due process. We need to take drastic action to keep the politics out of the courtroom before more Americans cast doubt on the criminal justice system. 
This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. The lines have been drawn, those who support law and order and those who don't. Of course, criminals who burn cities and loot businesses want to defund the police. PhyllisSchlafly.com chronicles a plan to keep the streets of America safe. Go to PhyllisSchlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, let's pick up uh, on this story uh, that is making the rounds of General Milley. General Milley is the Joint Chiefs of Staff guy, right? He's the guy that um, last year when uh, President Trump walked over to the to the church across Lafayette Square, Milley came in uniform and uh, and later then he, he uh, apologized to everybody. He groveled around and apologized. He's being kept on by, I was about to say President Biden, Obama, but I mean, President Biden as Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, uh, as the chief of the Joint Chiefs of Staff right now, as the leader of it. And you have to wonder why. Well, here's a pretty good reason why. If you saw his testimony, he went on this rant where he basically said, yeah, you know, I, we have to, we have to study, um, we have to study all the history. We have to study the history. I mean, people are lecturing us about critical race theory, General Milley said. I'm, 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 I'm summarizing his testimony. We study everything. I, I went to West Point. I study all sorts of things. I'm really smart. Don't, don't judge me. I'm really top notch. And we, all of our leaders at the top levels have to, ju- have to study hard. And we're, we're studying. Yeah, sure. We're studying uh, Marx. It doesn't make us Marxist. We're studying Lenin. It doesn't make us communists. Oh, well, what are we just to do in here and but what he's not saying and what he's not admitting to is they're changing what they're teaching it's not that people are reading we should read about satan but we should tell them that it's wrong we should read about lenin and marx and tell everyone that it's wrong and tell them what's right so he, he's falling into the same jive and i'll put this up on social media the same jive that I told you happened with Common Core. Remember what Common Core was. They've always had names for how they manage the education of our children. And about seven or eight years ago, they came up with Common Core. And it sounds benign. It's like uh, Black Lives Matter. Yeah, oh, matter. Oh, yeah, lives matter. Sure, why not? Common Core. Oh, well, a Common Core curriculum. Who doesn't want to have a Common Core curriculum? Let's make sure we do it right. Except they used it as a way to tell you not tell you, tell your kids, direct your kids into certain tracks, which is to me very communist, actually. The the Soviets did this, where your kids are going to be guided by what they want to teach you into what they want to do. And, And here's my point. Parents objected to Common Core and people like Jeb Bush, who was a proponent of Common Core, because the powers that be wanted to make sure that they got the right people, excuse me, the right workers. And so they wanted to tell, oh, I want this many of this worker, this many of that worker. We'll be in charge of telling your kids what to do. Again, By the way, I'm not against the notion that kids, not everyone should go to college even. There's lots of kids that would do better to start a business, go to tech school, whatever. Take a gap year, take five gap years, you know, take some time, whatever. But what is objectionable is the elite group of people who were doing Common Core and they didn't want you to be able to ask about it. They just wanted you to go on, little buddy. Go ahead. We're no better than you. We're smarter than you. The guy who did a lot of the Common Core now runs the SAT. He runs the company that does the SAT. So now they're going to, he controls the testing. So, but my point here is when they were caught doing Common Core, you know what they did? They changed the name. They said, oh, no, we're not doing Common Core, but they were doing the same types of education control. 
That's what's happening with critical race theory. Now we're being told critical race theory is not a program. There's no textbook for it, but we're, 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 just, we're just trying to be open-minded. No, the point is if you study Satan and don't say Satan is wrong, evil, you're not doing the right thing. There's not a moral equivalency. And don't be, don't kid a kidder when you tell me that you're teaching people, teaching critical race theory is changing what we've taught or what we should teach about our history and about our, na- our very nature of our nation and making it something it isn't. That's what it is. That's what we've got here. So you ought to watch the Millie clip. It'll, it'll make you, it'll, it'll surprise you. It'll surprise you. All right. I've got to go though, everybody. Thank you as always to our great producer, Noah. Thank you to Joanna for booking our guests. Go to proamericareport.com. Sign up there. Also listen to these great interviews again. And I'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Talk to you then. America Report on The Answer, San Diego.